You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, guys? It's Harrison Phillips here, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellows on the Circle the Wagons podcast on Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills, baby. Where else would you rather be than right here? Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, what's up, Bills fans? Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. What would you guys think of the second new intro to the podcast that we've released First, Don Beebe a couple of weeks ago, and now Harrison Phillips this week. We certainly appreciate Harrison Phillips doing that for us because if you've listened to us before, you know we are huge fans of Harrison as a player on and off the field. And we will discuss Harrison Phillips later on in this episode. But now we are less than a month away until week one of the regular season when the Bills face the Jets in Orchard Park on September 13th. It's crazy, crazy it's less than a month away. feels like training camp just started. So today was actually the first day of padded practices in training camp and the first time that the Bills media members were allowed to watch practice. And speaking of Bills media members, a couple of weeks ago we had on Joe Biscalia of The Athletic to discuss anything and everything Bills training camp. I highly recommend you find it and listen to it if you haven't already as we talked about a lot of things headed into not only the 2020 Bills training camp but also the 2020 season including the effect of coronavirus on the season, Starla Tulele opting out and its impact on the field and salary cap, the potential impact of cutting defensive end Trent Murphy and what it can mean for re-signing current players on the roster. The NFL adding six more practice squad spots, four being protected spots, and who the protected spots could go to, which training camp battles Joe's looking forward to watching, which sleepers he could see making the roster, the Bills' biggest positional needs headed into training camp, thoughts on the offensive line and tight end depth, how the media coverage and availability is affected by COVID-19, thoughts on Brian Dable's offense's lack of success, and a lot more. But in this episode... We discuss Joby's backstory. We talk about him growing up in Buffalo, going to school there, both in high school and college, where his love of sports came from, how he got into sports journalism and WGR 550. Is he actually a Bills fan? His decision to go from Channel 7 WKBW to The Athletic, uh, what it's like to be called out by different Bills players over social media for your critique of their play after some film study. Particularly, we discuss Shaq Lawson um, doing that this past offseason. Why Joe B started Bills podcasting to begin with, because he's one of the first 
uh, to do so? And has he had to change his wedding plans because of COVID-19 and, and a ton more? But since today was also the first day of padded practice and media availability, after the Joe B interview, I will also pass on some observations today about players like Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Josh Norman, um, you know, even Harrison Phillips which I mentioned earlier, and also some updates on player injuries. And we'll also be doing a, another podcast giveaway for some autograph memorabilia. But without further ado, this is a segment I like to call Inside the Bills Beat Studio with Joe Biscalia. Let's switch gears a little bit to... Uh, you know, your own personal life and your career as a journalist, broadcaster, um, you know, writer. And uh, so I know that you grew up in Buffalo. You know, you went to St. Francis High School. You graduated from Buff State. Did you always know that you wanted to be in sports broadcasting and journalism? Uh, I knew I wanted to be with sports in some way, uh, just because uh, I was kind of an insane psychotic nerd when I was growing up and you know I remember having uh these this huge huge binder of um of baseball cards back in the day and I would like uh, of course they were they were separated by team by position because I'm very much type a that way and I need to have everything uh, very very organized with with uh with that stuff that's why I have basically a billion different spreadsheets right now but what I would do is I would I would trot out um, I think I was like six or seven at the time. I would trot out one of the teams versus the other team. I would do little paper bases. I would have a marble. I would I would have like a full scale game between these two teams, and um, I would also do the play by play of it. And so it's like, okay, I, I have a pretty good idea uh, what 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 I would like to do. Um, when I first when I first went to I started off at Florida State University. When I first got there, I wanted to do journalism, and they didn't actually have journalism, which was hilarious to me. <laughs> uh, they just had mm. mass communication. And so I'm like, okay, I should probably leave after a couple of years if they don't have the thing that I want. But the funny thing is I did not graduate with a journalism degree. I graduated with a, uh, with a media production degree and fell in love with radio, uh, met a guy named um, Tom McRae, who is a professor there. Uh, he um, is known – or was known around Buffalo as Tom Donahue, a longtime radio radio guy, radio personality, uh, and and we would just have these long chats, and um, and eventually I found my way into a, a free internship at, at WGR, did did my best with that, and and then just kind of took off running from there. So um, to answer your question, I kind of knew, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but. Uh, um, thankfully it, it all worked out for me and I got really damn lucky in the process. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I don't know about luck. I mean, I th I've been following your career ever since WGR effort, ever since I graduated college and I've been listening. And I remember specifically, I remember on my personal note, I remember on my honeymoon, <laughs> we had our honeymoon, uh, during the draft. And I remember listening to the WGR app on my phone so I could get your commentary on the Bills draft picks after they drafted. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just a little, a little, uh, a personal wow. note, but, well, well, th but thank you for saying that. Was it the EJ year? Because that's, that's the year all my buddies talk about too. No, like, I don't. I, I laid, I laid into EJ as soon as they drafted him and, and everyone hated me in Buffalo for it, but it's, it's because I went to Florida state. I watched the guy every single week. I'm like, 
it's not going to go great. <laughs> it, was, it was a reach, but yeah. it just happens. I do I remember. It. I do remember your your uh, your opinions on that draft, and I I'd be honest if it didn't if it it, it kind of made me a little bit worried about the EJ picks. So, uh, so I, I'm sorry to do that to you, but uh, but yeah, they they ironed it out in the end, right? Yeah, absolutely, as they do. So <laughs> so were you? I have to ask you this because you grew up in Buffalo. Were you a fan of the Bills growing up? No, I wasn't actually. Um, I was a Brett Favre guy, um, basically from the time I was starting to actually enjoy football. And um, back in, I don't know, elementary school, I had uh, both a home and away Brett Favre jersey. I wasn't a, a Packers fan per se. I was just a Favre guy. Like basically, the way that a lot of kids now are today with NBA players, like they follow their favorite players. They a lot of people don't. A lot of kids don't have favorite teams. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I was with Favre back in the day. Uh, so if he was on the Packers, then yeah, I was rooting for the Packers. Um, but it was more about him and his story. And I'll never forget the 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 day after his dad passed away and him playing on Monday Night Football. Like that stuff. That's the stuff of legends right there. And and like. That, that it was always him that kind of like inspired a love for football sort of thing. I mean, I would go to a few Bills games. I, I would, I would throw on a a Bills jersey just to fit in every once in a while. But I was never really a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it it, it always kind of boggles people's mind. Like you grew up here and you weren't. And I'm like, no, I just kind of, I just kind of liked football. And I think that's definitely helped me in the in my professional career, considering. Um, you're you're supposed to not have a bias in in, in the game. And th- that's that's how I do it, and not to say that's how everybody needs to do it. But um, I always find I I have a, a a clear mind just for my own sanity um, to not have any sort of bias whatsoever. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge. I, I I would agree with you. I'm a huge Far fan, along with being a Bills fan. But I mean, how can you not? I I just got chills when you just mentioned that game just now. Right about his father passing away and him throwing for like what was it four four or five touchdowns and four hundred yards. It was insane. I remember just like my jaw was dropped the entire game. And like that game, I remember there was one where uh, he threw a pass to, I want to say it was, I think it was Antonio Freeman where he like tipped it up to himself um, right by the end zone and tipped it over a defender and ended up bringing in, it might've been Robert Brooks, one or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just, just these insane plays. He just, he just took chances on and, I don't know. I, it, it it always just I loved the hero ball element of it. it. It made for for some some great memories growing up. Okay, so now now I have a comparison for you because you mentioned Brett Favre, and sure, uh, you know it's it's very early in his career, but couldn't you argue that Josh Allen is very comparable to Favre from from the beginning, at least right now? I mean, will he be a Hall of Famer? Who knows? But um, you know, I mean, you're talking big arm, hates checking down. Uh, he seems to play. Yeah. He seems to play the game with like as much enthusiasm as a kid playing it in his backyard with his buddies, right? You get that sort of like I don't I don't know. It's this intangible like I I just like I just like him for the way that he is, and 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 it also helps the fact that I mean unlike Favre, I mean nobody thought that Allen was going to amount to anything, you know, and he just yeah, kept fighting. I, I I could see I could see a little bit of that. I I do wonder if Brett Favre would have become Brett Favre if he was around in the age of social media, um, because he was not super good early on in his career, and I wonder if that would have sunk him when everyone just could see everything all the time and wager an opinion, and then like 
public opinion becomes heavier on on uh, professional franchises. I think that's why we see so much turnover at the quarterback position now, as opposed to back when Favre was was going. Um, but I see, I kind of see where you're coming from a little bit. I think, I think uh, Allen is able to be reeled in by the Bills more than Favre was <laughs> with the Packers back in the day. I mean, Favre just didn't give a damn, <laughs> and like, like he 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 went for it, and that that was part of the reason that I enjoyed him, but he was also pretty intelligent with some of the chances that he took, you know, now flip side with Josh Allen, he's got that hero ball element to him to where in the fourth quarter, you feel like that they always have a chance. But that said, a lot of those chances that he's taking, not exactly ideal. And I know, I know the one that kind of sticks in everybody's heads is the one that he threw to Patrick DeMarco and, in, in uh, in the wild card game that ended up being an incompletion, but it was a crossbody 50 yards down the field of the fullback. Not great, but I also don't think that was an indicative ind- indication of his entire season where you're thinking, okay, this, this guy is just, he's just a total reckless quarterback. He, he did a really good job from that Tennessee game um, all the way through the end of the regular season in taking calculated risks as opposed to taking reckless risks. And that's what they've been trying to teach him. So I, I, well, I see the comparison a little bit, I think overall, I think Allen is a little bit muted in comparison to, to the, the true uh, wild stallion that, that far once was. Yeah. There can only be one gunslinger like, uh, like uh, Brett I Favre. Especially we, since we it. aren't 10 years old watching it all over again. so Right, exactly. <laughs> that, that definitely plays a part of it, for sure. So um, you started out at, at WGR, you know, Buffalo's major sports radio station, to being a sports director at WKBW, a TV channel in Buffalo. Yeah. I, how did you make the decision to leave television and go to The Athletic? Well, I think for me, um, the one thing that I love to do more than anything is just completely nerd out. And uh, not to say that I didn't do that at Channel 7 by any means. I absolutely loved my four years there and, you know, get, being able to do the things that I did and, and work with the people that I did and do the pregame show for preseason games. And, you know, Matt Bovey is like one of my favorite people in this world. And, uh, you know, we, we, we still text every day and, and you know, I've, I've gone to his house a few times and I've met his new puppy Harper. They're great. I mean, the people and the, the work was awesome. Um, but at the end of the day, like taking a chance and being able to nerd out with all this stuff and write the depth that, you know, I, that, that truly fulfills, um, I think was something I had to take a shot on. And, and the fact that like the athletic is it's, it's a pretty known publication out there at this point. And the fact that they wanted some hack from a radio TV station in Buffalo, like me, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like, I, I, when they called me, I'm like, are, are you serious? I mean, is she, do you want a number of somebody else? I, I, don't, I don't really know what's going on here, but it was, it was completely humbling. Like, uh, I, I still have a video of the, the first time that they called me and, and we chatted for like, uh, like an hour, like I fell to the ground because I was so like 
overwhelmed and excited and, and all of these different things. And um, it, it's just an incredible opportunity to work with great people um, and, and to work with really talented players and to push myself a little bit to see if I could, I could be uh, work for more of a national publication and, and become a better writer and do all of these different things. So um, yeah, it, it was an opportunity I couldn't pass, even though I, I absolutely love channel seven. It's just, uh, it's it's one of those things that's like bucket list material. I, I never thought in a million years that a national company would would want me to to work for them, and somehow they did. And so uh, I, I I'm going with it. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you know, over the years you've had several players call you out publicly in the media, on TV or radio <laughs> or on social media. I mean, you know, it, it's it's funny because I haven't seen this happen with other members. But then again, you're also one of the few people that actually looks at film and gives a yeah. criticism. I mean, a few yeah. years ago, a few years ago, it was, and I don't say this in a negative way by any means. Um, a few years ago, it was Eric Wood at training camp and just recently it was Shaq Lawson <laughs> over Twitter when he was signed by the Dolphins. I mean, they questioned your judgment and criticism of their play. I mean, I, I, I can only think of how I would handle that. How do, you, how do you handle that when professional players are saying that? I mean, do you take it as you're just doing your job and you would do it no matter what? Or does it ever make you look introspectively and said, maybe I shouldn't have said what I said? Um, no, because honestly, the, I'm, I'm very much uh, someone that has to be well-researched before I register an opinion. And for me, I think that I look at those as an opportunity to have a conversation with the person if they're willing to do so. Like, I remember when I first started the All-22 stuff, um, I had a member of the team DM me and said, hey, I read your breakdown, um, wanted to know what you were seeing on this specific play. And let's chat about it next time you're in the locker room. So I went and chatted, chatted with him. It was a really productive conversation. And and he's like, okay, well, I was actually covering for this guy here. Mm. And so that way you, you learn the game a little bit more. And I, I even put the disclaimer out and they're like, I don't know the play calls. And of course, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit, uh, you, you have to consider that when, you, when you're grading players and when you're watching film, because you don't know the play calls and you have to be extremely cognizant of it. And, you have to know that there is some discourse to be had. But that said, I don't think um, it's some of the criticism comes when, you know, maybe some of the players don't know the the amount of work that I put into it. Um, I don't take it personally by any by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I, more than anything, I just want to have a conversation with them and be like, look, and, and the Shaq Lawson thing was interesting because. I was actually really like complimentary of Shaq Lawson throughout the entirety of the season. Um, he saw one of my tweets, probably more so than the rest of than the rest of the work. And uh, I think it was something along the lines of that, you know, Shaq for that price tag, good, but probably the bills are probably best to move on. Hmm. And it wasn't even like an overwhelmingly negative thing. It's just. You know, I if you're spending that much money on a pass rusher, I want him to be able to rush the passer a bit better. And so um, that, that's I think that was part of that one. But like I said, I don't take it personally. These guys are doing their jobs just like I'm doing my job. I'm here to learn. I'm here to I'm here to, uh, you know, study as much as I can. It's the reason why I spend, I don't know, hundreds of hours each season watching film just so I can learn, know these players as well as I can. 
and then have good um, educational and and you know next level conversations with them when I'm actually able to talk with them. Um, so you were one of the first mainstream media members on the Buffalo Beat to do a Bills podcast. So you're basically like the OG of Bills podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> what? I have to ask you, as someone that you know, you were you were one of the only podcasts I listened to. I've been listening to oh, them for you. you know only over a decade. Just you know, I listen to comedy podcasts or or anything that's inter- news. And you were the first Bills podcast I listened to. And but at the time you were doing it with like you know I think Sal Marano was kind of doing one a little bit, and there were a, Tyler Dunn. <laughs> yep, you and Tyler Dunn. Yep, you and Tyler Dunn started yeah, it. Um, I remember I, I actually talked with him about this a few months ago when I had him on, um, you know, off, off, uh, off the air. But uh, you know, what what made you go down that road? Which I mean, until that point was only inhabited by just a few people around the globe talking about the yeah. Bills. Yeah. So when I when I first went to channel seven let's see what year was it i think it was 2015 i believe uh when i when i first went there i was from coming from the the experience of being at at wgr and my former program director andy roth who um, actually left maybe like a year or two before i left wgr to go run a station in cleveland we would always have constant conversations about where the media world was going, um, what was next, like things that we should be doing, all everything along those lines. And it's the reason why, even though we were a radio station, why the writing was so important to me and why eventually the video would wind up being uh, important to, uh, to radio stations. Because media companies are... You know, you can have radio stations, TV stations, um, uh, you know, written platforms. Eventually, they all converge into one, uh, one where they're all trying to do the same thing. And so to me, when I, when I left WGR, I said, okay, I have the skill set of someone that, that can host a show. And I've, and I've done podcasts in the past. And so I know the easiness of, of being able to, I know how to produce. I know how to know the equipment needed and the steps that you need to take to do it. Why not continue in that realm rather than alienate some of the um, the the listeners that I had from from WGR and in addition to doing the video and the written stuff. So it was very important to me. I I, I said it to uh, my bosses at Channel Seven right right when I walked out. Right when. I was talking to them about potentially coming there. I'm like, my plan is to write as much as I do now uh, for GR. And I want to start a podcast because I think that's an untapped market and, uh, and then kind of go from there. So um, it, it ended up working out and our podcast has grown. It first started with, uh, with just me. And then it was me and Tyler Dunn for, for a little bit. And then he, you know, he's off, traveling the country being uh the best feature writer in in uh america mm-hmm. and so it was tough to kind of line him up from from week to week and so then then uh me and matt fairburn who you know i've, I've known for a long time now and he's he's my colleague at, at the athletic and we're buddies and um so then when we started doing the podcast and started to create some inside jokes created a little bit more of a following and here we are today right 
Oh, yeah. Wow. I, I have one last question. It has to do with uh, your wedding plans. Now, you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned, I know that's a weird thing to just come out and just ask about. Yeah, uh, that's cool. But I mean, with everything going on today, you mentioned on social media this past year that, that you got engaged. And I know a lot of mm-hmm. friends, couples that have had to change their wedding plans because of what's happened. I mean, the uncertainty of the future. Have you had to make any changes in your own personal life for, from that standpoint? Uh- yeah, honestly, not yet. Um, because when we got engaged back in November, I believe. Um, and so we didn't really start the process of like booking stuff. Uh, we knew we didn't want to get married within a year, luckily in this case, because we just, we just felt it was a little bit, uh, too quick of a timeline for us. And, uh, she's a school teacher and, I'm a football reporter, so quite literally, we only have one month out of the year between the two of us that we can do it, which is in July. So we centered on July of 2021. So it, it was actually kind of funny. Like in the two to three weeks before basically the entire country shut, da- shut down because of, because of COVID, um, we booked our venue, our DJ, our photographer. And, and so we, we got all the big stuff out of the way. And lo and behold, um, as soon as that all hit, people were rescheduling their weddings. And like my fiance, will, will, will tell, she tells her friends, she's like, I, I feel bad. I feel like I should offer up my thing, my, my stuff to people that um, that had to reschedule their weddings to 2021. But um, we're, we're just we're just keeping our fingers crossed and, and everything along those lines. And um, and and if it if it we if we need to move stuff, then we need to move stuff. But um yeah it's we we were very lucky that uh we we haven't been impacted just yet but you know it, it, even if it happens so be it and, you know we we've we've had we have a few friends that are getting married um we have uh, uh friends that are getting married in november early november actually and we're seeing how they're kind of approaching it and you know giving them all the credit in the world and it's just it's just like it, it stinks it stinks when you have to do all those things but it's all about how you approach it and how, and your mindset and, and like how you, uh, just, just how you handle that. You, you can either handle it with a frown or you can say, Hey, we'll make the best of it. And I'd like to think that me and uh, my fiance will make the best of it if it comes to that. Well, it sounds like it. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you sharing that story and, and I have a quick, I have a quick story for you, uh, for one of our co-hosts, John, who's obviously not on, this episode, but um, he tweeted to you about four years ago on his wedding day, and he oh, just no took, he just took a picture of his like bill socks, and he tweeted you and he tagged it. You know, he's like, you know, I'm ready for my wedding, and he still talks to this day because I just saw him a few <laughs> weeks ago for for like a hot dogs and hamburgers about you retweeting it, and he saved it as a screenshot, and uh, and I remember talking with him because I was. One of the one of those groomsmen at, at his wedding, in between before the ceremony actually happened, he's like, "Hey, check this out." <laughs> so, so you actually that's, helped make his wedding day, just so you know. Oh, that's awesome! That made my day. Yeah. Uh, and I do remember that actually. It, it, back in the uh, the hashtag tweet your sock game uh, era <laughs> of, of Twitter, um, yep. yeah, that I, I absolutely remember that. Uh, that's 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 hilarious that he's the co-host of the pod. That's, yes. that's awesome. But I'm so glad that that makes that makes me feel great. Yeah, that's great. I mean, if his wife's listening now, he totally 
you know, cared about the rest of the day, of course, but, you know, <laughs> it was a highlight, to, to, <laughs> if nothing else. Um, so, you know, I appreciate... If, if it- I was going to say, if his wife has gotten through as long as this, uh, as I have been jabbering on, then she is a bona fide keeper. <laughs> there, there's no way she should be listening to this. There, there are so many more important things. Oh, she should be doing. oh, that's 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 true. No, I'm just kidding. There was. I really, <laughs> I I'm, I really appreciate you coming on, Joe. You know, this has been a long time and in, in coming, and and you know, like I said, I've been following your career for a long time. Um, in, in everything that you've been doing. I'm sure that if people are listening to this podcast, then they're definitely listening to the Buffalo Beat. But just in case, let folks know where they can find the podcast and and also your social media handle. Yeah, uh, we uh, we are on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play. I'm, I'm out of practice. I was on vacation for three <laughs> weeks. Um, and, and we're on the Athletic Podcast Network at, uh, with the Buffalo Beat. It's me and Matthew Fairburn. Uh, the Twitter account is at Joe Biscaglia, um, B-U-S-C-A-G-L-I-A. And, uh, and yeah, we're, um, you can find all my written stuff over at The Athletic. Is there any promo code or anything for people wanting to sign up for The Athletic going on right now? Yeah. Yeah, you can get uh, 40% off by going to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat. So um, they'll save save a chunk of change if you do a, a yearly subscription right there. And, and yeah, I... Uh, I'm biased, but uh, I absolutely love reading it every single day. I'm a big NBA and soccer guy, and I just get uh, just wrapped up in in reading about it all the time. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're they, there's a lot of different, a lot of stuff more so than just the Bill stuff on there. Well, I, I want to let you know, I am I am an athletic subscriber, and I subscribed last year while it was just Matthew Fairburn, Tim Graham, and Lindsay Darkangelo doing some pieces there, and then when I found out when you were joining and the price didn't go up any specific amount because you joined it. I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's do this. <laughs> that That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I yeah. That. No problem. So again, thanks so much for coming on. It's always been a pleasure having your colleague, Matthew Fairburn on. So I'm so glad we could finally get together and actually have the other half of the Buffalo Bee podcast on our show. So appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. So let's quickly go into some of the observations of the media today for the first padded day of training camp practice that the media was available to observe. First and most importantly is that there didn't appear to be any injuries today to Bill's players. And I say that because that's obviously the most important thing that we're looking for is are we going to lose anyone for an extended period of time or any time at all uh, like uh, Offensive guard John Feliciano that went out with a pectoral injury before training camp really, really got underway. And I say this is important because just today, Cowboys defensive tackle, Gerald McCoy, uh, he found out he will miss the entire season after rupturing his right tendon quad in practice today. So luckily the Bills had no injuries like that today, but the Bills did have some players that didn't practice today due to injury. Now, we knew Tommy Sweeney is on the PUP, and John Feliciano, as I just mentioned, is not practicing today in full and won't be for some time. 
but Levi Wallace did not practice today with a back issue, and uh, defensive tackle Ed Oliver did not practice today with a hip injury. So those were some notable missing players from the Buffalo Bills today. Stephon Diggs and Josh Norman stood out today as two of the bigger veteran acquisitions made a handful of nice plays. Stephon Diggs was finally able to show off his route-running ability and expertise in grabbing some contested catches with Josh Allen today. So Josh Norman was able to take advantage of Levi Wallace's absence by knocking down several balls intended for Bills wide receivers as cornerback two. So it's good to see that Josh Norman is doing well in practice. I know that there was a concern. He's 34 years old. He did not end his career in Washington very well. So we'll see where he picks up with the Bills. Does he take over that cornerback two spot from Levi Wallace? Or does Levi Wallace fend him off uh, and hold on to the job in his third season? Another interesting note is defensive tackle Harrison Phillips that we discussed at the top of the podcast finally returned to the practice field marking the first time he'd been in pads in 330 days. This is what he said on buffalobills.com about his rehab. You know, it honestly has been uh, emotionally, I mean, one of the hardest things I've had to do, and, and maybe that means I've had a sheltered life or something, but uh, when you care about something this much and have it taken away from you, um, and, and again, it's, it's so much bigger than myself. It's not being able to, you know, last year we had such an amazing team and not being able to contribute and, Who's to say we might not have won another game or two if I was able to play or make a longer stretch? And again, I'm not saying I'm a, a giant playmaker or anything like that. I'm just saying you think those things into existence sometime. And, um, and, and then it was over. And then the season was over and everyone went home. And here I am in sunny January Buffalo <laughs> uh, you know, by myself every day uh, rehabbing and five, six-hour days working, sweating, crying, growing up from, from how hard that, that I'm going. And um, yeah, I mean, there was definitely some depression through there. There was definitely a lot of anxious, anxiousness, anxiety, uh, fear. Um, I mean, there, there was, I remember having a conversation with a couple of the trainers, a, a very emotional phone call or a uh, uh, rehab day where I was sitting there like, what if I can't play again? Like, what if this doesn't get better? What if I don't get stronger? Um, and luckily, you know, some fantastic people here in the organization, that, you know, kept believing in me and kept pushing me. And um, I'm an extremely motivated individual. And so uh, when you kind of get that great, um, just, I don't know, force going towards one common goal. And every day I was chipping away at the rock, chipping away and, and saw a light at the end of the tunnel and it got me here. And like I said, 330 days since I got to play football with my friends again. Uh, and it, it's, it's truly indescribable how great of a feeling it is. Thanks to buffalobills.com for allowing us to use that clip. Harrison Phillips had an outstanding start to his sophomore season last year before tearing his ACL in Week 3 against the Bengals. He's someone that I could see competing for the starting job that Starla Tulele has left vacant. On the special teams front, rookie six-round pick Tyler Bass was 6 of 9 today, while booting one through the uprights that was almost 60 yards. So that should be an interesting competition to watch as training camp continues. Steven Hauschka did not attempt any kicks today. I couldn't end today's podcast without discussing Josh Allen. And by all media accounts, Josh Allen looked pretty good today in a practice that featured a lot more passing plays than running plays. Now, 
we always have to take training camp practice with a grain of salt, right? We can't get too high and we can't get too low with the performance of any player. But any news of Josh Allen making progress and improving from last season, even if it's in a practice setting, to me is is always a positive thing. Quarterback Josh Allen ended practice by connecting with John Brown for a 50-yard bomb over cornerback Tredavious White. So everyone was probably expecting Stephon Diggs to be on the receiving end of that throw, but that just goes to show you how deep the wide receiver core is from last year. I mean, just think about it. The Bills have all of the wide receivers returning from last season. Think about, I mean, guys that were more buried on the death chart like Duke Williams, um, Andre Roberts. They still have all of those guys left from last season. And they've included new talented players like Stephon Diggs, obviously going to be their their wide receiver one, but also, you know, rookies Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins. And it's definitely an upgraded wide receiver group. And speaking of the rookies, there were several accounts that they made their presence known today as well. So really, that's extremely encouraging. The other thing that's encouraging in general is that if you watched the Bills and Josh Allen last season, you know that the deep ball was a huge issue. I mean, Allen threw for the fourth highest percentage of passes deemed uncatchable and inaccurate, according to Pro Football Focus. If and if you think about it, if Allen can improve in that area of his game and step up from his, you know, rookie and sophomore campaign to a to basically like the middle of the pack of the NFL as far as deep throws go in 2020, I mean, he may be able to potentially reach a 4,000-yard season this year, which that that hasn't happened since Drew Bledsoe in 2002. And I know people are like, well, he only threw for about for a little over 3,000 yards last season. Yeah, well, he basically didn't throw any passes in Week 17. So let's say you count that as 3,200 yards or 3,250 yards and 3,300 yards maybe, and then you you add in a couple of deep throws. I mean, it, it's potentially... It, it, it could happen. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. And finally... Before I end the podcast, you may be wondering why there wasn't a video of John Brown catching that 50-yard bomb from Josh Allen, or maybe even something like, why didn't you see where uh, defensive tackle slash defensive end Quinn Jefferson lined up on the D-line? And it's because the Bills have restricted anyone from reporting where players line up or potential um, depth chart indications like... Um, you know, is so-and-so lining up with the, is Cody Ford lining up with the first team, you know, uh, is right guard or right tackle, or is he at the second team, right guard or right tackle, or, or, you know, team reps or package details. They're not allowed to to report that. So they're really, if you, if you watched training camp live today on buffalobills.com, they only did like a 15-minute live video with Maddie Glab and Chris Brown and you know, it was only the beginning of practice because then they have to shut the cameras off because the Bills don't want to give away a competitive advantage by other teams scouting their practices or getting information from Bills media as to who's lining up where and where where they can expect certain players to fit in defensive schemes. So if you're wondering why you can't see some of that information, that's why. And uh, I'm going to end this podcast with a quick giveaway. We have a signed Donovan McNabb football from our friends at the Del Lago Casino and Resort. The winner is Tommy C9879. So if you're wondering how you win uh, a piece of autograph memorabilia or whatever we're giving away on the podcast, 
You just have to leave a podcast review on Apple iTunes. Mention CTW Pod or Circling the Wagon somewhere in your, in your review, along with any of the other really great shows that are on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I know Bruce and the guys over at Believe did a great rundown of the Sean McDermott and Deion Dawkins contract extension, so definitely check those out. But if you mention us somewhere in the podcast review, uh, you will be eligible for any of the giveaways that we're doing this season. So Tommy C nine eight seven nine, shoot me an email ctwpod at gmail dot com. DM me over Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, please follow us on all platforms. By the way, we're constantly putting out content there. Um, I create a lot of different memes that you can only see on those uh, social media platforms. Um, oh yeah, and check out our our T Public site at tpublic.com slash store slash ctwpod. Uh, you know, now that Sean McDermott is going to be the coach for the Buffalo Bills for the 2025 season, um, check out our Sean McDermott Trust the Process shirt and design that you can get on a mask or a shirt or a tank top or a hoodie or whatever your heart desires because, uh, you know, it's he's going to be here. He's going to be here for the next six years. So that's exciting. Um, again, thank you to Joe Biscalia of The Athletic for coming on and talking with us. You can find him at Joe Biscalia. You can find his podcast uh, on anywhere where you can find podcasts, The Buffalo Beat. And uh, you can find all of his work over at theathletic.com. So for me, Nate, circle the wagons, go Bills, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to the... More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.